The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. I see emojis. I see movements. I think we're all set. I think we're all set on this Friday, August 12th, 2022. It is kind of a heck of a morning, but this has been super annoying. I don't know what's been going on, but uh, we're making this thing happen. We're on my Twitter now. I don't know. We're figuring this thing out one, th- one move at a time. But we're here. We have sound. We weren't getting any sound off the MMA fighting one. And we're going to get after this thing. It's a free-for-all Friday. We're going to take calls from you guys about anything you want to talk about in and out of MMA. I think we got it. I think we got it. I see hearts. I see emojis. I see happiness. I see requests. Let's get after this thing. Mikey Bats. How are you, my man? How you doing? So I'm glad you got that. Glad at least you got your other account to go off of not just the MMA fighting one, right? So. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but uh, well, you know, we're working. Twitter so. likes to be funny sometimes, you know what I'm saying? So, but anyways, um, anyways, do you think, let's just get off the bat. Do you think either with a win, it should give a title shot to whoever wins tomorrow? Or do they face another person one more time? You know what I mean? Do they do they have to fight somebody else? Or do you think, well, especially for uh, Dominic, right? Like, Dominic's getting a little older now. His opportunities are starting to slow down. So it's like, this might be his last, you know, chance of getting a, 
the title shot, right? And that's for Cheeto. You know, him and Sean O'Malley, I think, are neck and neck. And as much as I'd hate to admit it, if if Cheeto has to look really good against Dominic, because if if big if if Sean goes out there and just freaking blitzes Peter Yan, highly doubtful, but you never know in MMA, right? You know Sean would probably get a title shot over him if, at minimum, they would fight each other again in like a five in like a five round main event. You know what I'm saying? So, and another thing yeah. too, for the like the unbillionth time, John Jones and Steve Miocic is being spoken about. Like, I just I I don't care until they're actually in the cage. I don't want to talk about it anymore. That you're they're gonna fight or they're not. For the love of God, you know. So, let me just start that off for the morning. All right, brother. Thanks, buddy. I don't know if. <laughs> I don't think we're going to, I don't know if it's title shot at stake in this one, because here's the thing. If Jose Aldo beats Murad Dwellish really next week and doesn't get a title shot coming off of it, it would be one of the world's biggest travesties. He should be fighting for the belts, in my opinion, anyways, over TJ Dillashaw. And if he beats a guy like Marab, a guy that literally nobody wants to fight in this division at all, and then doesn't get a title fight, it would be horrendous just awful so i think if aldo wins he's the guy no matter what like i understand o'malley's a star and all that but if o'malley beats jan somehow and and vera beats cruz which a lot of people are expecting me to do you could do a five round main event between those two guys you could sell it as a number one contender fight you're good to go it's not gonna made event a pay for you but it'll made event a fight night could be a five round like featured bout on a on a pay-per-view if you wanted to go that route. But I mean, I would say that there's the stakes are high, obviously. It's it's do or die for Dominic Cruz if he wants to get back to a title fight. I feel like Varys still get a little bit of time, but it's a big fight. There are stakes here. There's there's no doubt about it. And I've said this a few times already this week. I'll say it again. I feel like Dominic Cruz being completely overlooked here. And how about that that social media clip selling this fight? Those two guys, Maro and Vera, saying, I'm willing to die in there. And then Dominic Cruz saying, I too am willing to die. And then basically saying, it's going to be great for the fans. What a day to die. Ugh, just gave me chills. Just great stuff. Great stuff. Love the fight. Really interested in it. There are stakes. I don't think it's a, like a number one contender fight, but I mean, who knows? And if Aldo loses and Sterling wins and Marab wins, they're not going to fight each other. So, I mean, there's things that have to fall into place, but I would say doubtful. Let's go to Toke. Toke, how are you, buddy? Thank you. Um, so... I think I'm a bit late to this uh, heck of a morning, so we probably have talked about it, but I just... W- no, you're not. You're good. Oh, We had some technical issues, so this is basically like the beginning. Perfect, because I want to talk about Dana White. Um, <laughs> so this uh, GQ video that came out where he's talking about, you know, he's answering all these questions. It's their whole format. And he's talking about the business model. As always, you know, it's a very standard thing. But then the way that he spins stuff, he's very good at his job. Because he says that his fighters get pay-per-view points. And that really triggered me when he said that. Because 
it's only the champions that get it or superstars, right? So it's like, what, 15 different fighters total that get that? And he uses that as an argument as we pay them well. So <laughs> I know you've probably seen the video because uh, Jedi tweeted it and it went, yeah, it went nuts from there, right? And I've been in social media battles all day, which I shouldn't be. But, <laughs> I mean, this is getting to absurd levels of spin. And I just, yeah, it makes my head spin, to be honest. This is getting ridiculous at this point. So I don't know if you just have any comments on it or, or if it's just, oh, it's the same that he always says, so let's just leave it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, it hit our radar because it was something that, you know, would be newsworthy for us. So he was asked about fighter pay, and we didn't even write about it because it's literally the same answer he's given every single time. I think the only thing from that we chose was uh, the De La Hoya thing, how him and De La Hoya, like, I guess don't hate each other anymore, but they're never, they're never going to be friends. Here's the thing. Like, I've talked about this a million times on the show when it comes to fighter pay and all that. The UFC doesn't have to do shit right now. They don't have to do anything because the fighters had their chance to come together. They had a couple of different opportunities where it was like obvious. The writing was on the wall. And the most obvious one was when they sold the company for $4.2 billion to now Endeavor, WMEIMG at the time. And they didn't come together then. It's just un it's baffling to me just baffling to me that after that sale for $4.2 billion, they didn't come together to form some sort of an association. And now like it's, it's just not going to happen. It sucks. And the UFC has no obligation to pay these fighters any more than they're being paid right now. UFC's business is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They're making so much money. They have this deal with the SPN. They could put on whatever card they want. They could put on the card they put on last week. And it's the same amount of money as if they put on a mega card for a fight night. Makes no difference to them. Literally makes no difference. Because they're getting paid the same no matter what product they put on television. It's all the same. So it doesn't matter. None of it matters. But it's... Like, you want to sit here, we want to sit there and blame the UFC. We want Dana to do the right thing. We want the UFC to do the right thing and pay these guys and pay these gals what they deserve. But there's nothing, there's nothing pushing back against the UFC in order for them to do that. They don't, they have made it abundantly clear that they don't care what we have to say about it. They don't care. Dana certainly doesn't care because you know what they're going to tell us? Hey, you got a problem. Start your own company. Pay the fighters whatever you want. We're the best in the world. You suck. And you can't do what we do. And you know what? He's not lying. He's not lying. Like, what? About, like if I started a fight organization, like, what am I going to pay them? In Twitter space minutes? You want to hop on my Twitter space for 20 minutes? Hey, if you're the main event, I'll give you 50 minutes on my Twitter space. Like, I got nothing to offer in that end. I got nothing. So... I get where they're coming from. Nothing's going to change, folks. I, I would love to sit here and tell you that it's going to change and that the UFC is going to come together and they're going to be like, you know what? Maybe they deserve more. It's not going to happen. 
It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. Until all these guys and gals come together from 10 and 10s to the biggest stars in the sport, till they all come together, all 700 wild people, until they all come together and say, we're not fighting. Until we get what we want, we are not fighting. Nothing's going to change. So we have to accept that this is the world we live in because that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen anytime soon. And anytime a fighter talks about more pay, what are they talking about? More pay for who? For themselves, for their teammates, for their friends, not the guy who just got 10 and 10 on the contender series. They don't care. But that's just the sport. That's the, that's the sport. It's different. It's not like the NBA where it's team sports. It's not like Major League Baseball, NHL, all that stuff. But a lot of these guys, especially Major League Baseball, you see the contracts that these crazy people get? Whether they, they're hurt or playing every game, it's guaranteed money. Like the contracts that these guys get, and they're willing to walk away. They're willing to walk away from like $35 million a year to sit on their asses in some cases. And they're willing to walk away from it. Fighters aren't. That's the difference. That's why Major League Baseball has the deal they have. That's why the NBA has the deal they have. They are willing to walk away and not compete and not play. And fighters aren't willing to do that. They're not willing to come together. It's a whole different ball game, but it's, it's just different. Until that day comes where they're just like, screw it, let's go. And they've tried. Different groups have come together. Different organizations have come together. Leslie Smith tried to get people together anonymously and still couldn't get the ball rolling. We got like just unicorns of the sport to like come out of hiding for a Bjorn Rebdy was going to be part of a group for a while. And unfortunately that was a horrific mistake because as soon as Bjorn Rebdy became known in one of these groups, every fighter that was even interested in associating was like, Nope, not going near that dude. So not happening. It's just a tough thing. We just kind of have to understand that this is the world we live in and that the UFC is still a baby and that the sport is still kind of a baby and that the UFC is basically back in the 19 is where like the world wrestling federation was in the 1980s where there is money to be made, but it's not going to be for everybody. They will give you the chance and the opportunity to make this money, but it's on you to get it. It's on you to get yourself over and become a star. And who knows? Maybe 20 years from now, we'll be in a world where there's guaranteed money and all this different stuff for all the fighters and all the talent. But until then, we're just going to keep hearing the same regurgitated responses from Dana Wade over and over again. And you know what? It's not, it's, it's not really his fault because most people in a business sense who are making the kind of money the UFC is making right now would probably do the same thing. And yeah, it stinks. Let's go to Henderson. You too. I'm glad, I'm glad that you finally got this working. It actually worked out for me perfect time-wise. So uh, a little benefit there. But I just wanted to talk a little bit, kind of what you're just talking about with like fighter pay, but I think you covered that pretty well. But one issue that I think people don't talk about really, it's kind of really inside baseball behind the scenes, is fighter managers. I know people bring it up a little bit just when someone signs a terrible deal. But like... One thing I was thinking about, I was listening to Cruz. I'm a big Cruz fan, and he was on Ariel's show talking about 
how he used to have a manager because in MMA you used to need managers because you got your own sponsorships and you're out doing stuff and you're negotiating your deals more frequently. But he was saying now the UFC basically offers standard deals, which is excruciating to hear even about someone like Cruz, like this is a multiple time champion and he thinks he's just being handed standard deals. And he was saying he's never been close to being a free agent because he just asked for more fights added on every time. And like, these are all things that a manager would never want a fighter to do because if you never get close to free agency and you always take the standard deal and you don't push for any outside sponsorships and just hope the UFC will hand you that like monster energy drink at the end of the fight, like that all is going to have a negative effect on your career. And I think it's also having a negative effect when people talk about overall fighter pay, because if you look at other sports, like in, in baseball or basketball, there are certain agents who represent like 30, 40 players and it benefits them. If these players are well-paid all of them from the small ones to the big ones. And they also teach their clients about unions and advise them and stuff like that. But in MMA, especially now there's, very few competent managers and the ones that are the best, like the top managers all are in league with the UFC, you know? So I think that's one more aspect that maybe if we could just improve fighter representation, that would at least start to get these talks, like maybe not a union, but maybe at least negotiating, you know? Yeah, man, it's uh MMA is a weird place. It's a weird place. And there are stories that I've, I've had, managers call me and tell me stories about other managers and other things going on in the sport that I would never be able to share. Um, that just kind of, it's, there are certain times when you work in this space and you actually like hear what goes on behind the scenes and you're just like, man, I can't like, is this really what happens? It's, it's just really bizarre and weird and strange. And it's kind of unfortunate, but you're right. A lot of times you want to be in good favor with the UFC because especially if you have a deep client roster, if opportunity presents itself, someone falls out of a fight and there's a fighter, there's multiple fighters on the cusp of getting a call. Who do you think the UFC is going to go to first? The managers they have great relationships with. And those fighters will typically get the calls to get their fighters in. Now, there have been a lot of fighters, especially during the pandemic era, they got calls to the UFC that probably had no right being in the UFC. Because there are certain fighters that are prospects on the come up right now who deserve to be in a lot more than some of these other fighters who've gotten in. And this is not me being a jerk, me trying to be a jerk. This is me just telling you like it is. We've seen it with our own eyes. There are certain fighters who have had no business being inside a UFC octagon, not because of just like town or whatever, but like they could get really, really hurt in there. We've seen fighters get really, really hurt that shouldn't have been in the UFC over the last several years. And it's very uncomfortable to watch a fighter who shouldn't be there go in there and just get blasted. It's just not fun. It's kind of scary at times, but it sucks, man. It's, it's, it's just a weird world where like you want to, you, you want to have be in the good graces of the UFC Oftentimes you'll see managers like defend the UFC in certain cases. Um, it's, it's just very weird. And if you go against the UFC, look at what's happening. Look what happened with like Francis Ngannou and stuff like that. 
Like it's just, it's just very weird. It's a, it's a tough sport. It's still kind of a baby, and it's like I know boxing has this reputation of being a little, a little weird and off the books, and kind of bad rep has a really bad reputation. It's pretty dirty in MMA too, especially behind the scenes. It's 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 a pretty uh it's a pretty tough business, and the more you the more I've worked at it, the more conversations I've had, the more you realize it, and it's just like it's kind of hard to stay as positive as I as I try to be. Um, but I also feel that it's fair to be to be a realist about certain things, and I try to find that that fine line between the two. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's go to Najma. Are you there? Hello. Hi. Hi. Sorry, I didn't think that I would have to speak now, but okay. So I wanted to ask about uh, uh, looking at uh, MMA from the perspective of, of it not being a sport, but more like the fight game. It's usually supposed to attract people who have no way out and Did I lose you? Oh, 
I lost her. I don't know what happened. Uh, well, thank you for your call. Yeah, it's, again, kind of, it's a crazy sport. We are weirdos for all, for liking it. And I would, like, being in this group of weirdos is, I, there's no other place I'd rather be, baby. Sitting up, quarantined and with COVID, talking MMA with all you crazies. This is exactly where I want to be on a Friday. Christian, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Thank you, Mike, for uh, doing these things. Sure. Um, so I guess my question is, I've been, I, and this is something I've been thinking about kind of like recently with, um, you know, with Holloway losing and Whitaker losing um, and Colby, I guess like where do those kind of like, where do these guys go where it's like, um, they're clearly the second best, I think, you know, I think they're, they're clearly like the, the number one tender, but they're, they've lost already, you know, twice, three times. And they just like, it feels like it doesn't seem like the champ is really interested in fighting them anymore. And then, but it's like, what else can they do? Right. Like they, it's, it's they're I mean, they're beating everybody else basically. You know, it seems like Moreno might even be headed there if he loses uh, against Figgy soon. So it's like, what happens to those guys? Like, I mean, they can't go up. I mean, I, I'm not sure like where they go. So that's my question. Yes. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a good question. Holloway is, Holloway has put himself in a position where he doesn't need to fight for titles. He doesn't need to win titles. He doesn't need to be a champion. The guy is a star. He transcends rankings. He's a very popular guy. And I think Holloway at this point could have a very lucrative career just getting in fun fights the rest of the way. Um, I've been a, I've been an advocate of a Holloway, just a Gaethje fight at some point before either guy changes pages um, there's lots of interesting fights at 55 for Holloway. Uh, if Holloway just wants to fight, you know, if Holloway wants to go fight Josh Emmett or go fight the Bryce Mitchells or the Mobzar of Loyevs or the Ilya Tapori's of the world, he could certainly do that. Um, there's lots he could do. So I think he's fine. Colby, I still think could get another title shot. I know that the UFC talked about him and Hamzat fighting, after that card in Jacksonville in April, and it's obviously not happening because we're dealing, he's dealing with everything that happened with Mazadal. But it would not be, and I've said this before, it would not surprise me whatsoever if the UFC has already contacted Covington and is like, listen, we're not even going to like tell anybody about this, but get ready, get in shape, train, because if something happens with Diaz, or something happens with Shemaev, we need somebody to step in and fight Nate on September 10th, like, we're probably going to call you to do it. Because that's a, that's a nightmare matchup for Nate Diaz, and that's kind of what, clearly what the UFC wants to do at this point, is send him out on a loss, and sort of a lopsided loss, and Colby would be kind of that guy. So, And I think if Colby got a win, I think he'd be right back sort of in that conversation. And Kamar Usman has already expressed interest in fighting Colby again, so... I would like to see those two guys fight again. I would like to see the division go in a different place, but we don't really have a place right now. I mean, Shemaev, if he beats Diaz, he's the guy, but let's just say like that doesn't happen or Shemaev doesn't get there to September 10th. Something weird happens. Like then what? Like, I feel like Usman runs through almost everybody in this division. Like I, and, and nothing's really, financially interesting 
to Kamara. Like Kamara's talking about going up to 205 right now. He's he understands what's going on in this division outside of Shabayev and Covington. Those are like the two biggest fights he can get right now. So yeah, and then Whitaker's kind of in a weird spot as well. But hey, if you're Whitaker, you are a giant Alex Pereira fan heading into November 12th. Because if Alex Pereira beats goes out there and, and beats Adesanya, yeah, they'll probably run it back, but Whitaker beats Vittori and Pereira beats Adesanya twice. Whitaker's probably getting the first crack at it. So there's there's and and even for for Covington, I don't think Usman's got a lot left at 170. I think maybe he's got two or three title defenses. He's already talked about wanting to move on with his life and do other things. If I mean, you got to be kind of bored if you're Usman right now. But I mean, after Shamayev, like what else is there for him outside of maybe a third Covington fight? I mean, he's talking like I said, he's talking about going to 205. The guy's getting bored. So it's not a slot to be in a few of those guys, but you're still number two. And if Pereira beats Adesanya, Whitaker's right back in the conversation, especially if he beats Marvin Vittori. Let's go to Steven. Are you there, buddy? Hello, sir. Hey, hey. So I have a few things. Is uh, talking about the fighter pay, right? The fighter pay. A lot of things that people don't understand with UFC, and I always think about this: is UFC has a hell of a roster. They have a hell of a roster. They have to pay each fighter. Each fighter has a contract, and they're obligated to be offered a fight at a set amount. So they have a large amount of fighters that they have to pay. Now, the great Uncle Chell, just like you mentioned, the great Uncle Chell Sonnen said the same thing that you mentioned, where use the platform. If you're getting into the UFC, it's up to the fighter, like you mentioned, to hustle their behind off and use the platform to expose themselves up, to get noticed, to become a superstar. Or you could branch out and do other things. Um, the whole thing with the managers, there are a lot of people dropping their managers, and I think it's because of contractual issues but you see it with uh, Paulo Costa, with David, David Figueredo. They dropped their managers. Um, I, I just, I, I think for the UFC and with the the the, the board to plate contracts, you don't need a manager. Um, and then you have somebody like Luke, uh, Luke Rockhold that just released a statement talking about the bonus checks and how it should be up more. It's like, I, I, I just, I don't get it. It's like you mentioned, I don't get what the fighters want. You sign the contract, you agree to it, that's it. You know, it's up to you to take it from there. The other flip side to it is look at Anthony Pettis at PFL. Do you have a, 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 a fighter where you give the money to him, where he's making, I think, 750000 every fight, but he has lost all fights. He only won one. So is it where you give them too much and then they, they lose the hunger because they're getting a big fat check every fight with no consequence. So it really is a weird thing. But at the end of the day, Dana can't do nothing. UFC does fine. They propel people to get out there and you are the one that needs to hustle and get yourself to a superstardom. Make up some bullshit. Become a chill 2.0. Uh, that's just what I think on that. Lastly, by the way, Holloway looks too small at 155. Remember the fight with him versus Poirier. So I don't know about Holloway at 155. Um, Usman, he he's doing 
Marvel movies. I mean, I don't know. The guy is so successful that he is bored. He hasn't mentioned Leon Edwards. We didn't even remember that day he's about to fight Leon Edwards. No mention of it. He's talking about everything else but Edwards. Um, but yeah, that's what I got. I could go on and on, but <laughs> that's what I have. Thanks, man. Yeah, listen, I listen, I get where you're coming from. I'm not like I don't say these things because I think it's right. I, I say it because that's just the world that we live in right now. The fighters had their chance to come together in 2016 and they didn't do it. They didn't do it. When the company sold for $4.2 billion, that was the opportunity to come together and change everything. Everything could have changed heading into this ESPN deal. Because had they done that and gotten this ESPN deal, this conversation about fighter pay and all that, we wouldn't even really be having it right now. And by the way, even if even if things did improve, we'd still probably be having it because these fighters should be getting paid more than they should they're being paid right now. It's just the way that it is. Even Connor all the way up. I think we're all in agreement of that. But they didn't come together in 2016 at the opportune time. They didn't do it. And I think the UFC obviously would have been open to it as well. And it didn't happen. And now we're here. So I'll sit here and defend fighters to the day I to the day my career is over. But I also will sit here and say it is mostly on them that they didn't come together in 2016. They tried these different groups. Some fighters tried to get out there and make it happen. It just didn't work out. And they couldn't get, you know, four, five, six hundred guys and gals on the same page. It is not easy to do. Now, had they come together in 2016, it's a different conversation right now. But, yep, this is where we're at right now. And the UFC is making just absurd amounts of money. Absurd. All right, let's go to Viking MMA. Then we'll go to Brian. Then we'll go to Motivated Andy. We'll try to get to everybody here. Viking, are you there? Hello, sir. How are you? It looks like you're recovering. Very, very steady recovery. I'm trying. I'm trying. All right. It sounds good. So what's on your mind, buddy? Um, I just want to ask about uh, Kamarupa. Usman fighting, you know, rematches. Everyone is saying that he's fighting rematches and he's pound for pound king just because of rematches. And do you think that Leon Edward fight is also in that category? I think it's not in that category that rematches. You know, the fight has happened maybe seven years ago. So, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a rematch. Like, it is a rematch, quote-unquote, but, like, it's not, like, a rematch of a fight that, like, Holloway, like, this is not Holloway-Volkanovsky 2 by any stretch of the imagination. Like, Usman beat Edwards handily. Like, there's no controversy. There's nothing, like, weird about it. Like, Usman won. It was a clear win. So... It's a little straight. Like it is a rematch because they had fought before, but that's it. That's that that's that's the whole thing. And that's literally the only story here. 
is they fought seven years ago. And then the other story is, is Leon has won all these fights in a row. But as Jed Mishu has said many times, as Ahid, who is here, said many times, there just hasn't been a lot of reaction for, for Leon Edwards. There just hasn't been. There hasn't been a big hankering for Leon to fight for the belts or anything like that. It just hasn't really that just it just really hasn't been there. So who knows? Maybe Leon could go in there and and do the damn thing and, and pull off the upset. But this is why I have been screaming from the mountaintops since November of last year that the UFC should have done Edwards versus Shamaya for the interim title because had Leon beaten Shamayev, this fight is way bigger next Saturday. And now no one's even really talking about it. So that's the position we're in right now. Yeah, technically it's a rematch, but only technically. And this is just kind of Leon mercifully getting his title. shot. I mean, it's. It's going to be crazy if he wins. I don't think he's going to, but it'd be crazy if he did. Let's go to Brian. This. I don't think the card is that bad. I know the names are really bad. Uh, all these guys have like high finishing rates. It's almost like three out of four for most of these guys are ending in finishes or they're getting finished. So I think that adds up for a great uh, card. And also this Dominic Cruz, Marlon Barrett main event is everything that's good with MMA right now. Uh, that is the perfect main event to show to a new fan, in my opinion, because the one thing everyone wants to see is the big guys knocking each other out. They're used to like watching WWE or heavyweight boxing. But like this is the perfect showcase of why the lower divisions, the lighter weight divisions are, in my opinion, just the most entertaining. And secondly, they kind of talked about, I saw and kind of mentioned Glover Teixeira and Yuri for UFC 282. Do you think that basically guarantees John Jones is main eventing? Because I love Glover and Yuri, but they're not going to close out the year as the main event, in my opinion. In my opinion. That might be John Jones. I think Blades could be a possibility. Maybe Tui Vasa, gone winner, if Stipe doesn't come in. Um, hopefully Stipe, because I'm a Cleveland I mean, that one could certainly headline. It was one of the greatest fights of all time. Like, I mean, it wouldn't headline over John Jones versus Stipe Miocic, but um, Glover Yeary won was one of the best fights ever. Like, literally one of the best fights ever. So, it could happen. I don't know. You have to... Carla, John Wei Lee would probably end up on that card. One would assume at that point as well. So, they'd probably try to load it up with, like, two or three title fights. Some some other big names, but yeah, you're looking at some of these other cards and you're just like, golly, how we how, how can we compete with 280 and 281 starting to come together nice? It's not a bad problem to have to have. Let's go to motivated Andy. Glad you're feeling better. Um. So you said that if Aldo wins against Murad, he should fight for a title. Now, in any other You're damn right motivated in any damn right in any other reality, I would a hundred percent agree. But 
if Sean O'Malley goes out there and gets a highlight over Piotr, again, we're, we're shooting for the stars. If he goes out there and gets a highlight KO, he, he should get the title shot. I'm sorry. Like, biggest risk, biggest reward. I, I love Aldo, too. But, I mean, Sean O'Malley goes out there and wins in a devastating fashion against Piotr. He's got to get the title shot. Right? I mean, what, I want to know what you think. If Aldo gets a mediocre... Uh, I'm not saying mediocre. I mean, it's Jose Aldo. But if he gets a, a, a win against Marab, a decision, maybe a, a sub or whatever, but if Sean O'Malley goes out there and gets a KO, he's got to jump Aldo. No? I don't know. I'll say no. Because there's still big fights for him. Like, Sean O'Malley's got plenty of time left. Aldo doesn't. Aldo's got, like, two or three fights left in his whole career. So if you got to do it, you like, you got to do it now. Like, I hate this Marab fight. Like, I think he's going to win, but he should be fighting for the belt now. He should be fighting for the title over TJ Dillashaw. They should both be fighting on the same card. Aldo should be fighting Sterling. And Sean O'Malley should be, you know, in Piotr Jan, and you, you can set it up that way. But Aldo should be fighting for the belt right now. Just... He just his resume is just so much better than Dillashaw's right now. Dillashaw had the suspension. Very few people thought he beat Corey Sandhagen, and now he gets a title fight. Aldo's been active. Aldo's been winning. Beat Marlon Vera. Beat Rob Font. Beating these guys, he should be fighting for the title. So I don't know, and and I kind of disagree with you with the whole oh well Sean O'Malley's taking the biggest risk fighting Piotr Jan. Who the hell else was he gonna fight? Who else was there? Nobody. Nobody was there. Everybody was booked. It was clear they weren't going to go back to the Pedro Munoz thing. And he was, let's forget, I don't know. This is the best opportunity for O'Malley. This is the best thing for him. because, And this is the best thing for Jan, too, because, again, I wanted Jan Cejudo. That would have been, that was the perfect fight to make. But you clearly Cejudo is not going to take that fight. So this works out great for everybody. And I think it works out great for O'Malley too, because I don't think he's going to win this fight, but he has the chance to look good at certain points in it. And I think if he has like a really good first round and he wins, a, he wins round one, his stock rises no matter what. So if he goes out there and knocks out Piotr Jan. That's very impressive. I don't know if he gets title fight right away, but plus O'Malley's pretty smart. He's going to want a big fat pay pay hike. And who knows if the UFC gives him the type of dollars and type of type of figures that, that he actually wants. That's a whole different discussion as well. Let's go to Eric. What's up, buddy? Hi, Mike. Uh, first, thanks for hosting this. Uh you mentioned earlier how certain fighters get into the UFC and maybe they're not ready for it, and then they just kind of get crushed and uh, take damage they don't really need to take. What about fighters who, you know, make it in the UFC, get to that elite level, and then just get to the point where they can no longer win, like BJ Penn or Cowboy or even better, Sam Alvey? I just don't understand why, why they continue to let them fight. Do you think there should be a cutoff uh, – 
in regards to like a lost streak? Um, I mean, it, de- it, it, it depends. Alvy, Alvy should have been done a while ago. I think we're all in agreement of that. That was just really sad to watch on Saturday. I think BJ Penn again, different situation, but I think BJ still had a name and they're still, it still meant something to beat BJ Penn puts other guys over like put Yair over it, put over Ryan Hall other guys like that, for good or for bad, that's just how it is. Um, it all, I mean, it all just kind of depends, right? Like, I think Sam, Sam Alvey should not be fighting in any organization anymore. And I really hope that Coker, I don't think Bellator is going to call him, but I hope Coker and uh, like one and especially BKFC that they just let this guy. Right off into the sunset. Do not be calling this guy to fight for BKFC. Just let him. Just let him go. Let him do his thing. Let him hang out with his family. Go on the farm. Like you could have a great life doing that. I'm. I, I'm I'd be very happy to see that. But I mean, it's it, it all depends. Like some losing streaks are just different. Depends. Like if you're getting the doors blown off, like Sam Alvey, I think it's on the promotion to be like, all right, dude, enough's enough. And like, just cut bait a little bit. Um, for, for some reason they did do that with Sam. I, I don't understand why it's one of the big mysteries. It's like, where was Dana during the Francis and Gano serial gone fight? Or what was in the bag on fight Island with Atman Azaitar or whatever his name was. Like those are, it's, it's one of those mysteries. Like we, 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 we always kind of like joked about it. Like what to Sam, how the alley, what kind of photos does he have <laughs> on some of the UFC higher ups to allow him to continue to fight? Um, yeah, I think there's, I, I think it's pretty clear. Like the UFC, like if you lose two, if you lose three in a row, you it's pretty much, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. But there are certain fighters who have longer shelves, shelf lives, uh, shelf lives. Jared Vandera just got bolted by Chase Sherman, and now he's gonna fight. In October, I think Vandera's lost three in a row. Like he should probably be out of the UFC, and now he's got another fight. So I don't know. I don't know. This is why I'm here, and those guys are over in Vegas doing what they do. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called "The Future of Work," where I answer all your questions on surprise, the future of work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. James, how are you, buddy? I'm fine. How are you, Mike? Good. Glad to hear you're doing better uh, on the road to recovery and um, back in action. Yeah, man. Okay, so, uh, you know, I've been seeing these pictures of Paulo Costa, and I am terrified by what he is about to potentially do to Luke Rockhold uh, next week. Wondering if you had any comment on that. Keep getting better, man. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Paul's a big dude. 
Be interested to see if he makes 185. And if he doesn't, then I'm really curious. Like, will Luke take the fight? I wouldn't take it. It would just be a nice slap in the face. I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough fight for Luke, especially after this time off. We've seen what happened in his last couple fights, but Luke seems ready and ready, rip raring to go. So it's an intriguing matchup. I don't know if I can go much higher of a word than intriguing, but that's the word I'll go with. And I favor Paulo to win, but Luke's still Luke's still super talented. He's still got something in there. I mean, maybe he maybe he's found it in this in this layoff. We'll we'll see, but yeah, I do I do favor Paulo to go out there and do the damn thing. Let's go to Turbo McGee. Hello, Turbo. Hey, buddy. Okay, um, I was I was thinking that the one fifty five is my favorite division, and I was curious if you think one fifty five is the most uh, the most um, you know, the average, say there's the average fan, is the average fan most relatable to 155, 170? Obviously, 125, 35, 45 is all too small than the average fan. Heavyweight, light heavyweight is too big. I think it's between 155 pounders and 170 pounders. I was wondering if you agree with that. Huh, interesting question. 155, listen, I know that there have been people who are saying that 135 is the best division of the sport and all that. And if you do say that, you are 1,000% wrong. Uh, 155 is the best division in the sport. It's not even close. It has been the best division in the sport for a long time. Uh, It will continue to be the best division in the sport moving forward. 135 is a very deep division. You have... And what I mean by that is you just you have the top 15, but if you have like 16 to 35, maybe even 16 to 40, you can mix and match all of them sort of into the bottom end of the top 15 or into the bottom end of the top 20. Like it's just a really good division when you have guys like Chris Gutierrez, guys like Jonathan Martinez, guys like that who aren't even ranked right now. It's just a it's it's just a really good division. But 55 is by far the best division. Just look at what you have right now. It's just ridiculous. Uh, for the average fan, it's an interesting question. I think for the average fan, like if we're talking more on like the casual end of the pr- of the of the perspective here, the casual end of things, I think it's heavyweight. I think more people like when you think of combat sports, you think of the heavyweight title. It just that hearing heavyweight title just means more heavyweight, just the boxing lineage, even in like the pro wrestling world, heavyweight, just for the casual fan, the average Joe who's just walking around your local grocery store right now. If you talk about combat at sports, they're probably going to be more apt to follow a heavyweight fight than a lightweight fight. But that just gets them in the door. And then once you're in the door, they realize lightweight rules and it's the best division in the sport. And it's way better than Bantamweight. Let's go to the four quarter sports. Yes. Yes, sir. Well, good to hear. Good to hear that you're doing well. Glad that you're recovering well. Um, I wanted to talk about um, 
Dominic Cruz um, and the Cheeto Vera fight. So I was thinking about it earlier. Um, how differently you think things could have been if Cruz would have been successful um, by defeating uh, Henry Cejudo in that first pay-per-view back from uh, the pandemic? I was just thinking about, like, would he, you think he would have been able to hang around against the, the top five uh, bandweights in the world at that very juncture, him coming back for the um, immediately from a title fight? And then also... I was listening to No Bets Bard, and I was hearing, you know, uh, what's it called, Jed saying that, you know, he, what's it called, Cruz doesn't have punching power. And I was thinking about it. I, was like, I can't remember the last time that he had a, a, a knockout, like a TKO knockout. And I was thinking, like, if Cruz does get past Vera, would he be, like, in the same echelon of, like, a Caitlin Chukagian, like, just like a, a gap stopper, like, stopping uh, Bantamweights from getting towards, like, their ultimate goal, which is a title fight? And what are the, the keys you think for uh, Cheeto to get past uh, uh, Dominic Cruz? All right. Thanks, Mike. Um, good to hear you doing well. See you. Thanks, man. Yeah, um, I am feeling a little bit better today. I feel like I kind of took a back step in recovery. I don't know why. Um, still tested positive this morning, which I was kind of surprised by. But uh, hopefully another day or two that'll be gone and we can move on with our lives. Uh, to this whole thing. Yeah, Cruz, last time Cruz stopped somebody was Takeya, Takeya Mitsugaki, UFC 178. It was his first fight in over three. It was almost just about three years. He was out for all that time, comes back and knocks out Takeya Mitsugaki in a, in, in a minute. And that was super impressive stuff. And then he went on to win the title back about 18 months later against TJ Dillashaw in Boston. I was at that card um, as a fan and it was very cool. And then the Faber fight and then he loses to Garbrandt then he loses to Hudo after another long layoff, almost four years that time. I don't know, man. It's tough to say. Like people talk about like the biggest what ifs in combat sports. And you'd have to think that, a name that is often forgotten in the what if conversation is Dominic Cruz. Like what would have happened if he wasn't as banged up as, as he's been throughout his career? What, 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 what would we, we be looking at right now? Would we be talking about far and away the, the greatest bantamweight of all time? Like, is he the greatest bantamweight of all time right now? I don't know. He's in the discussion. Some people disagree with that. Uh, to me, I would probably lean, lean with him being the best bantamweight of all time. But like if he didn't have those injuries and those, you know, six, seven years away from the sport, what kind of conversation would, would we be having right now? What would we be talking about? Where would he be ranked in just all of combat sports? Cause the guy's super talented guy's very elusive, brought something different to the tables. No doubt about that. And he's still, still an interesting personality. The dude can still scrap. Beat Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny was on a good run. Beats Pedro Munoz. That was a good fight. Now he's gonna fight Marlon Vera. I mean, to me, if you're Dominic Cruz, like this, this is probably the most. This isn't like I'm not reaching very far here for analysis, but I think this is a closer fight on paper than the odds suggest. And my advice to Dominic Cruz is: don't get knocked out. <laughs> Just don't get knocked out, and you've got a chance to win. If this is a just on the feet kickboxing, if this is a mixed martial arts fight for 25 minutes, Dominic Cruz has a chance to win. 
But if he turns it into like an all out, I'm going to beat your face in kind of a fight, then Marlon will win. So it's, it, I'm, Cruz is just one of those guys where I'm always intrigued to see what his game plan and his strategy is going to look like. He's such an interesting guy, such a smart fighter, uh, such high fight IQ. Um, and I'm sure he's watched his last performances from Marlon Vera. I'm sure he watched the Rob Font fight very closely, knows what he's up against. I can't wait to see it. It's a great fight. Great main event. Let's go to Ahid. It's been a minute, my man. How are you? Ahead. Hi. So, heck of a morning. Glad you're feeling better. Um, so, what it is, we got Dominic Cruz, Marlon Vera. Um, I, I actually feel like Dominic's got, got a real good chance. I feel that um, it, with uh, Dominic, with Marlon, Marlon's going to be a kick-heavy fighter. Right, and it's just like when he kicks, he's on one leg, which means what you just take him down, shut him down. I expect Marlon to do that. Uh, so I expect Dominic to do that to Marlon. And also, it's just like with Izzy and Pereira, I gotta disagree with you, Mike. I think that Pereira is gonna if Pereira knocks him out, I don't want to see a rematch. I really do not want to see a rematch. I think. Because we don't want to give Izzy a chance to do this like leg kicking type game and then a decision uh, result. And also, I think you talked about yesterday with Markachev, but I'm going to say it here. Markachev and Habib are acting. This is the thing with them. They always talk about respect and humility, but I feel that with them, it's, it's a case of they love to be given respect, but they don't like to dish out respect. You know, it's it's almost hypocritical in a sense. Markachev talking to DC, and DC is giggling like a little girl, like a little schoolgirl who's got a crush. It's pathetic. Um, and it's like when Markachev talking about Charles Oliveira not speaking English, which is insane to me because Markachev speaks broken English like all, sometimes. It's almost hypocritical again. Um, it's just so insane to me how Markachev is talking about Oliveira. But I, in the same uh, space, I, I expect Markachev to win anyway. I want Markachev to win just because I don't like the jiu-jitsu community. I, I'm on the side of wrestling and catch wrestling and sambo. But, you know, Markachev's still a bit of a douche. Um, uh, there's some issue with my audio. I keep hearing myself back, so I'm going to end it there. But thanks, Mike. There he is. He doesn't mess around. Isn't afraid to to say what's on his mind. The DC DC's reaction to Islam is is pretty funny though. I will say that. Go watch that interview. It's hilarious. Let's go to ZC. Are you there, ZC? Hey, I uh, just had more of a comment than a question, but wanted to get your thoughts on it uh, related to the PFL tomorrow. And you've got Juan Adams, uh, former UFC heavyweight, who. Uh, came in i think this thread sort of ties into other comments you've had throughout the week in terms of uh you know bo nickel obviously a different sort of person than bo nickel but the experience so you had him come in onto the contender series with only uh four fights and professionally and i think he only had four fights amateur before that but he's a former d1 wrestler former football player 
Uh, had a terrible run in the USC, lost uh, a few fights back to back and got bounced. Uh, but fighting as a late replacement against Sheffield in the PFL and sort of wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, moving over to the PFL. And he's gone, I think, on a five and one win streak since uh, since moving over there. And uh, yeah, just thoughts about Juan Adams and potentially moving into uh, the playoffs and, you know, a chance at a million dollars with a PFL or maybe a potential comeback in the UFC in the future. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. He's had a hard time fights because he's been trying to get back to the UFC. He seems to be really taking things very seriously right now. But boy, this PFL card, you got to feel bad for, for, for Dennis Goltsoff, who like could have won, like had a very good chance to win the entire thing. But because the PFL decides, Hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go completely off the book here and we're going to host our playoffs in Wales, like he basically got screwed out of a million dollars, or at least a really good chance out of out of a million dollars. It's pretty awful. It's pretty rough. I mean, it's good for Juan Adams, but like, what's the point? Like, it's cool to go to Cardiff and and, and go to Wales and do all that stuff. But like, do that in the regular season. Don't do that in the playoffs. Like, you have all these guys who were established. They had to get work visas and all this stuff, which is very hard to do over these last couple of years because of COVID and everything. And now we're going to move everything just uh, for, for the for the playoffs, and, and now you're costing this guy a million dollars because he can't get a visa? It's just dumb. Like, I'm happy for Juan Adams. And apparently he's been there. Like, he's been in Wales for a little while now. So he was going to be way in as a backup and he was prepared that this could, could have been a possibility and it was and, and, and good on him. And it'd be a great story if he went in there and, and won the whole damn thing. But boy, oh boy, got a feel for Dennis Goldsoff, who was two wins away from a million bucks. Craziness. PFL. <sighs> God, I like I want I, I really I want to root for the PFL. I really do. But then they just they make decisions and they say things. Their front office guys say things, and it just makes me so upset. It just frustrates me to no end. They're a very frustrating promotion. I'll leave it at that. Let's go to Kurt. Kurt, how are you, buddy? It's gonna hear me, you, buddy. There we go. Awesome, I got gotcha. you. I'm glad you're feeling a little bit better. I'm sorry about the uh, the COVID. Um, I got a, a couple things. <clears throat> One, have you seen the uh, the Terminalist on the on Amazon with uh, Chris Pratt? It's uh, pretty awesome. It's got a even got a Cowboy Cerrone um, uh, cameo in it. But one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. Um, and second thing is um, regarding you know being a like a journalist and like. You know, this USADA thing. I noticed that I saw some reports about some recent USADA um, testing. And I noticed that Connor hasn't been tested since his last fight. And I know maybe that's probably because of, um, like, maybe the procedures that he's had and maybe some of the medication that he's taken. But um, what do you know about USADA? And, like, how is it that some of these fighters aren't getting tested, like, even within a year? Um, thanks for your – thanks uh, – for the time. 
Thanks, man. I've not seen the, the Terminalist, I believe was the name of it. Uh, I will have to check that out, though. USADA is just weird, uh, especially if you're international. Like, if you're in the U.S. and they know where you are, they'll just come knock on your door and, I mean, just ask Baruch and they're knocking on his door at 5 a.m. Um, what they do with the international stuff, I'm not all that familiar with. Uh, I, have to, I have to go look up. Let me go look. I'll have to go check, look into the Connor thing, and I'll have more of an answer. Um, about whether or not he's been tested. I think you could find that on the USADA website. Um, so I will, I will go look for that and, and see if that's the case. If it is the case, it seems a little bizarre. You would think, and I'm not saying, let me just please say this. I'm not saying Connor's on anything right now, but you have to think that like looking at some photos of him like it would be sort of a red flag for USADA that maybe we have to go test this dude. Uh, and again, I'm not saying he's on anything. This is a guy who's had a lot of time in his hands, got a lot of money and he could just go and lift heavy weights, get in the, the, as many trainers as he wants. Uh, but you'd have to think like if you're USADA and you're looking at pictures of this guy and him weighing in as like big and jacked as a middleweight, essentially, you'd probably want to go test him. Uh, so I'll have to, I'll have to look in the, look into that and see if that's actually true. All right. We'll take, take a few more. Um, Brent. Hello. Get on mute, buddy. I got you. There we go. There we go. All right, man. Um, yeah, I want to know what you think about, uh, Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. Like, you know what, that's kind of one of them fights for me that, you know, where, where do you go with that? Because if Dustin goes in there and, and he beats Michael, then, then what, you know, like in the Michael's in this spot where he's two and three. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That was just a, just an opinion. I wanted to hear from you. That's all. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah. It's they're just going to go in there and they're going to beat the shit out of each other and it's going to be fun. Um, I don't know what's actually at stake for those guys, but, I don't know. Maybe they both hope that Islam is the champion by the time they fight. So maybe they can, maybe they think they're fighting for maybe a title shot. I don't know. Wouldn't be the the direction I would go, but I don't know. I I mean, I'm interested to see it. Those two guys don't like each other and there's some heat there and they're just going to get in there and throw hands and feed at each other until somebody falls down. Should be a good bloody scrap. I'm looking forward to it. Looks like it's going to be at MSG. Although that is not official just yet. Let's go to Jay. Jay, hello. Hey, Mike. What's up? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, so uh, I didn't get to hear your response due to the technical difficulties like the first run on the Twitter spaces. Do you mind if I ask them again? Go ahead. Yeah, so um, my first one was, uh, do you think the UFC is making a mistake by sending the Brazil card early in January? Because the only two matchups like they can set as of right now for sure for title fights would be Moreno Fig Four and any division and any matchup uh, Mana Nunes wants. Because uh, if the date is true with Glover and Yuri, they're not going to fight one month after. If if Glover wins, he's not going to fight one month after and fight in Brazil. And also, if Charles loses then he won't be able to defend the belt in Brazil. And let's say he does win, but gets really seriously injured. 
and then he probably will have to sit out for that card. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And my second question was, Josh Quinlan is fighting this card. But if I'm not mistaken, I believe last week he was supposed to fight, but he tested positive for some type of steroid. So was there some type of, like, false positive or something? Or did they just, like, let it slide? Or do you know any more info on that? So thanks, Mike. Yeah. Have that more, man. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's you can't really control timing. Uh, from what I understand, this Brazil thing's been in the works for quite some time. January was, was kind of the month that was circled for several months now. So I don't think there's really much you could do about it. Um, I mean, if you looked at the different reports, I think we, I know we reported it. The, the initial plan was to do Yuri versus Glover on this card, but Yuri, at least in my eyes, very smartly was like, nah, dude, like I'm not going to f- go there. Like I'm the freaking champion. So, no, <laughs> and I don't blame him for that whatsoever. So I uh, could do Figgy Moreno, maybe Nunez, and and who knows? If Oliveira does win, then he gets to fight on the card too. And even if he loses, I'm sure he's going to want to fight on that card anyway. So, um, yeah, I think it's fine. We'll see what happens. We'll get a – I'm sure we'll get some interesting fight. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a Jose Aldo, Aljamain Sterling for the Bantamweight title on that card. How about that? Wouldn't that be cool? So there's plenty of there's plenty of things you could do. And then with the the Josh Quinlan situation, it's very much like the John Jones situation. He tested positive after his contender series fight, uh, sort of lingering effects. Uh, he was under the threshold of the metabolites, the numbers, the picograms, if you will. We're back to picogram world. Uh, USADA. It was under the USADA threshold. It wasn't a USADA decision to not have him fight Jason Witt last weekend. This is a Nevada decision. Nevada had some questions. He basically cleared all the hurdles. Nevada has no issue with Quinlan fighting outside of Nevada. Andy Foster did his due diligence, and here we are. So it's just one of those things where every time Quinlan fights in in Vegas, you might have to deal with this kind of thing, most kind of like the John Jones situation. But that's... That's the best comparison. But if you want more information, uh, Jeff Davitsky spoke with reporters last week during the UFC Vegas 59 card and basically said that but gave a lot more scientific detail than I'm going to give you here because he knows way more than I do. All right, we got two more. We'll go to Sam, we'll go to Tristan, and then we got to get out of here. Sam, go ahead. Mike, what's up, man? What's up, buddy? Uh, hey, just a quick question about your Rona. Did are you able to taste? Did you lose your taste at all? Uh it's like it's like fifty fifty. Depends. Some things I taste very strongly. Some I don't really taste at all. Huh. It's been a weird week, my man. Yeah, I'm experiencing some just just some weirdness. Oh uh, yeah, that's some weird shit. Um, so, anyways, you guys were talking about the a lot of stuff today. I love everything everybody's saying. Uh, but you and Jed were talking about how. The one if the fighter pay thing is very annoying, but what's also annoying is the fact that it seems like Dana White and all these other MMA promoters are just bad at promoting. Uh, like Bantamweight, as an example, like Aldo definitely should have gotten the title fight. Aljo asked, said he would have preferred Aldo. I don't know why that didn't happen. I think TJ Dillashaw hasn't done jack shit to get a title shot. I think TJ should have fought O'Malley. I think that would have been way better. Um, 
And Cheeto, yeah, Cheeto should have fought Jan. And Cruz could go fight a... Crap, who else? Who else is there? Oh, Cruz versus uh, Marab would have been good, too. Um, but, yeah, uh, have a great uh, weekend, Mike, and thanks for everything you do. I uh, hope you enjoy the fight card this week because uh, it's going to be sweet. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, it should be fun. Main event's going to be real good. Yeah, Dana White hasn't been really in the promotion business in, in a long time. Uh, since the company sold, really. Once in a while, he gets all fired up like the Contender Series a couple of weeks ago and got me really jazzed up, got me really excited. And then this past weekend, this past Tuesday happens, and I'm just like, all right, we're back to just giving out contracts, just just giving them out to everybody. And then the whole Bo Nickel thing. I've said it before, I'll say it again. That whole thing, we all understand what's happening here. It was just bad look across the board uh, and I'm tired of I just I just it, it just is annoying when they treat us like three-year-olds like we're not like that we're like we're idiots like we don't understand what's happening um, when we know in, in fact exactly what is happening um, so I'll leave it at that all right Tristan take us home my man Hey Mike, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Listen, Mike, I want to talk about uh, pretty much about Kobe Covington, and I, when I think everything is situated, I really think he's going to be looking forward towards uh, Dustin Poirier. I think that's the fight he only wants, and I think that's the fight he's going to get if Dustin Poirier, no matter if Dustin Poirier wins, if he if he fights Michael Chandler, win or lose, I think he's going to take. I think he's going to want to get the Dustin Poirier fight, and I think he'll probably get it. Um, reason being is because the thing about Kobe is he's got, he's very smart on how he chooses fighters. He's not he's gonna choose fighters that he has a high percentage on on winning, right? I fight Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley was on the downside of his career; he was pretty much done. Then he fought um, Jorge Masvidal, which he has a better grappling, uh, where he could just out grapple him, and that's what he did. We saw that. Um, and then you know he fought guys that again he's going to have a more advantage for him and what benefits him. And that's how he's been. Like, this guy's not calling out Sean Brady. This guy's not calling out uh, Shemayim. Not to say he's not scared of him and wouldn't fight him, but damn sure he's going to be like, hold on, I'm, I'm getting, I want to get paid. You know, because the risk is obviously – and Jeff Mishu has pointed about this. I pointed that out. He's very – he's not going to fight fighters that he has a less percentage of, of winning. So that's why I think he's going to go and, like, I'm fighting Dustin Poirier, and that's the fight I'm going to get. And over time, whenever he gets over the situation with Jorge Masvidal and everything is clear, he's going to fight Dustin Poirier, and I think that's the fight he's going to get. Because, again, guy's not going to fight the guy, you know, not to say he's not going to want to fight Shemayev, but that's probably, like, down, you know, I'm going to fight that dude later on or whatever. I'll fight Shemayev later on or He's going to fight Sean Brady right now. If Bo Nickel right now has said, I'll drop down to 170 in a short notice fight and fight um, uh, Kobe Covington. Kobe's going to, Kobe's like, no, no, I'm not fighting that guy. So, like, again, he's very smart. He's very particular who he fights, and he's going to fight the guy that he's going to have a higher percentage on. And, 
you know, I just want to know about your feelings because I think that's the only fight he's going to want, and that's the against Dustin Poirier. Thanks, Mike. Have a heck of a morning, and enjoy the great fights, everybody, for this week. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, um, again, I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly... I honestly think he would have fought Shabayev. I think he would have taken that fight in five seconds. Uh, but I don't know. Like, it's hard It's hard for me to answer this question because we don't know what's going to happen. There's talks about brain injuries and, and, and other things of that nature when it comes to Colby and this whole situation with Mazdal. And I think we have to just kind of wait and see how it plays out. Yeah, I think... I think Poirier is, uh, is certainly an option. I think it's something that could have been in play before he got the Chandler fight. But who knows? Poirier had a hard time getting this fight or getting any fight in, at all. So who knows what the UFC's thinking? Who knows what, what Colby's thinking right now? And who knows? Like I've said before, maybe Colby's getting ready for a fight in September. Maybe they have him just kind of getting ready because what if Shamayev can't make it to Vegas? Who's naked a fight? Sure, Colby would take that fight. I'm sure the UFC would love to have Colby take that fight. So, I don't know. It's kind of up in the air. We could throw out all these different ideas, these different suggestions, but at the end of the day, we got a we got a a trial ahead of us. We have all these accusations. We don't know what's real, what isn't, but we're gonna find out, and then hopefully we have some sort of a uh, some sort of answer to. This whole situation. Let me see if we got. Um, I think we're good. All right, we got to get out of here. And the big reason why is because my colleagues, AK, E. Casey Lydon, uh, I will not be on for this. Uh, I'm going to take a little breather because I've been talking a lot and I'm going to host the preview show in a little while. But uh, Jose is in San Diego right now. And we're gonna have the live weigh in a live weigh in show for UFC San Diego. And you can watch that on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. And that is gonna kick off probably in about 10 minutes from right now. And then we'll have a preview show. I think it's at 2 30, maybe three o'clock Eastern time. But stay tuned. We will let you know and uh we'll preview this UFC San Diego card with all of you. So thank you very much, especially those on Twitter spaces who have had a deal with all the technical difficulties with the MMA fighting page, jumping over to this page. It's just been a nightmare. I don't even know what the hell happened, but we got it to work and got some great questions, some great thoughts. And uh, we always have a great time. So hopefully when we're back on Tuesday, things will be good. I'll be feeling much better and hopefully we have no technical difficulties. So enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the weigh in show. Enjoy the preview show. And as always, everybody, have a heck of a morning. You're the best. Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook 
an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.